0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 437. Boy, over the last couple of weeks, there sure has been a lot of news about the cruise industry, and unfortunately, it all hasn't been great. The Omicron variant has dominated the news cycles, and certainly the cruise industry has had a lot of changes as a result of it, but I thought this week would be a good time to talk about some of these changes and what it means for the cruise industry, what does the CDC warning that happened recently mean, and really dig into everything happening with cruises right now, and talk to the Cruise Line Industry Association to get a sense of what the industry is doing to combat all this. Here we go. The ups and downs of the cruise industry since 2020 have been well documented, but with the Omicron variant driving up COVID numbers everywhere, it's brought a renewed focus to cruise ships. And unfortunately, COVID cases on cruise ships have become an almost daily report, thanks in part to the fact that cruise lines test passengers regularly and are obliged to share their results with the U.S. government. Like many cruise fans, I was more frustrated at the frankly unfair and negative light the cruise industry was painted in when compared to other forms of leisure travel. And so I thought this week it might make some sense to bring some context to all this and to help me talk about what the cruise industry is doing to protect crew members and their passengers and also break down what the latest government warnings are all about is Barry Golan Blagrand, the vice president and strategic communications and public affairs for Cruise Lines International Association, aka CLIA. Barry, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, Matt. Thanks for
0: having me. Absolutely. You know, there's so much to unpack here, and I was really struggling with where to start. So I think we're going to start with the most obvious thing and kind of work our way around here. And certainly, uh, you know, the CDC, I think their elevated warning from level three back to level four for uh, cruise ship travel, I think certainly got a lot of things moving, if you will. So I guess let's start off with number one. Talk to us about what Clea's thoughts are on why this change was made for the CDC to go from level three to level four.
1: Sure. Well, you know, first of all, thank you for having me. It's, um, you know, really important to have these conversations, I think, uh, with our community. And we know that the cruise community is vast. That's one of our strong suits um, compared to other industries, of course. It's just the most passionate group of people I've ever worked with. And I know that we all care so very deeply about, about cruise. And so when we see things, um, negative things in the media or from the CDC about our beloved industry, you know, it's almost like it, we take it personally. And I've seen a lot of that um, online and amongst, I'm sure you've seen it amongst your followers. Um, and I think, you know, that's really special. And it's something that we we uh, need to harness. And I think Uh, come together and in support of one another through this very challenging time. Of course, cruise is not the only industry that's being impacted by what is going on currently with the Omicron variant. However, I do want to comment very briefly on, you know, I can't speak on behalf of the CDC, so I don't know exactly what went into the decision to raise the the warning level. Um, What I will say is that, you know, our statement, we we noted that we were perplexed by the decision, and I want to provide a little bit of, Uh, context for that. Number one, you know, to single out this industry that has gone above and beyond is doing, you know, over and above what practically any other industry is doing. I mean, I truly can't think of any other industry that has gone to the lengths that the cruise industry has um, in the interest of health and safety, Uh, maybe except for healthcare settings, um, but certainly not within the travel and tourism sector. So I think that that's really noteworthy, and it, it was one of the reasons why we were perplexed by this decision. But on the other hand, um, you know, yes, we are seeing a rise in cases across the entire country, across the entire world. So cruise is not going to be immune from that. We, we knew that from the get-go. But one of the things that is different about cases that we are seeing on cruise ships and I think that the, you know this data will be um, supported by by the CDC's own calculations as well. Is that these these cases are generally speaking mild or asymptomatic in nature, and one of the only reasons why they're even being discovered is because of the high rates of testing. We have new data um, indicating that the cruise industry tests at a rate of 21 times the general population on land. So of course you're going to be um, noting more cases. It's just simple math, right there. But the fact that these cases, because of the robust protocols that are in place, and because of the very high rates of vaccination—upwards um, of 90 percent, in most scenarios, sometimes 100 um, percent—you're seeing cases that are are not severe by any means, and that are not uh, really posing a public health risk. So, the for the CDC to advise even vaccinated people against cruising when. The what we're seeing in practice is is not really supporting that decision was was perplexing. And so that was all going into sort of the wording of the statement and the way that we um, reacted to it.
0: Absolutely. And, and uh, certainly I'm nodding along to everything that you're saying there. You know, I, I guess there's a couple things that you mentioned that certainly jump out at me. And, you know, part of it is number one, what you just said, that there are cases on board and there's more cases, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks than there have been certainly uh, over the course of the summer and the fall due to the Omicron variant. But the the nature of these cases, the, the the lack of severity to them is important. And that's obviously, I think that's a societal issue altogether. That's not limited to just cruising. I think in general, the the focus on case counts versus you know severity and all that, that's a whole other conversation for another day. So I guess my question based on that is how do you, is, is this an educational process for if you're looking at it from your organization when you get, a a an article or somebody reaching out to you from the media saying you know hey we're seeing this you know is this more of a question of like education like you know basically trying to explain this they don't understand what cruise ships are doing is there i i quite frankly wouldn't be surprised if you told me there are still some folks who believe that going on a cruise ship in 2022 is they still perceive it to be the same as it was in 2019 in terms of protocols there what's your kind of you know what what are you seeing on your end in terms of uh your kind of the your response or what you see is more the the bigger picture in terms of trying to make sure that the correct information is getting out there.
1: Sure. I think that, so this is my answer is going to be twofold. So on the one hand, I think this is a developing story we're living in through history. And I think that, um, you know, when we look back on these moments, we're going to look back very favorably on what this industry did to step up to the plate. But that doesn't change the fact that right now we are experiencing some very tough times and some very critical, um headlines and part of the I think from my perspective as somebody who works with the media quite often is is what I'm seeing and hearing is this emphasis and focus on the case numbers or the fact that for example, the CDC um, uses the word investigation when it's talking about um, you know uh, changing a ship's color to from, green or orange to yellow. And and investigation is perhaps not the right word um, because it's not like they send a team of investigators onto (laughs) a ship um, in order to inspect the premises and and all that. It's it's more like, no, we're paying attention and we want to talk to you a little bit more about what's going on. And there's as much information as the industry is already sharing with the CDC. Basically what happens when when a ship turns to yellow is that there's even more communication and collaboration going on. So I think the word investigation was taken out of context um, quite a bit uh, there in in a couple weeks ago when, when, you know, we saw a lot of that in the headlines. Um, But on the other side of that, I think that the idea that the, like you, you touched on this, but the idea that the story is all about case numbers, um, you know, that's, that, that to me, means that we are, uh, a little bit out ahead of where maybe society is as a whole, in terms of how we're talking about the pandemic. Because I think, you know, public health experts have been uh, saying for a while now that this is we're gonna have to learn how to live with COVID-19. It's not gonna go anywhere necessarily. We have tools to um, protect ourselves against it. The vaccine, of course, which cruise lines, as you, as you know, have um, wholeheartedly embraced we have masks, we have social distancing, we have all sorts of different tools that we can use to protect ourselves against it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's really not a guarantee. And it's, I should say, it may even be likely that COVID-19 is something that we're gonna all have to kind of learn how to live with. Um, and I know that that's kind of tough to hear sometimes, but I think what the cruise lines have done have really they've really set out almost like a pathway to how how we can as a society learn how to do that. Um, of course, you know we're still learning, and there are still lessons to be learned. And I think you know over time, we'll de- mm-hmm. vaccines will improve even upon you know where they are now. And Um, You know, hopefully this will become much less of a a prevalence in our lives. But the idea that, you know, life has to shut down when cases are are discovered is something that, um, you know, we're going to have to get past as a society. This isn't specific to the cruise industry. Uh, But that's just my my view on that. We're not there yet, clearly. Um, So that's part of it. And then on the other hand, you know, we do see and I'm sure and I know that you have seen some of this as well. But um, unfortunately, negative headlines. Uh, generate more clicks mm-hmm. for news sites. And so uh, even though we on the other side of the equation are actually hearing a great deal of positive stories from say passengers and people who you know, have just gone on a cruise ship and had great experience with the protocols and maybe they were even in quarantine cause they were a close contact or they tested positive and they had this great experience that they would not have had anywhere else. But in the in the news, what you're seeing in the headlines are that this that you know passengers are having such negative experiences, and it's just not a totally accurate picture or complete picture of what's going on. And so I really think that um, we need to, as an industry, need to do a better job of getting those positive stories out there, so that people and people who may be thinking about going on a cruise in the next several months, you know, can hear from these folks who have experienced it firsthand. And I always say. You know, seeing is believing; hearing is believing. So, having those um, firsthand accounts of a you know positive uh, interaction, uh, positive experience on a cruise ship is just going to be so critical. And it's something that you know we're really starting to pay attention to, even more so now with the Omicron variant and everything that has sort of swept the industry up into action again.
0: Yeah, that was a great explanation. I certainly agreed with a lot of what you said there, and you know that leads me i guess to the next obvious question because this is also uh, for our for our listeners there's a, also the dynamic here between clia and the cruise lines and the cruise lines like royal caribbean is part of clia and in fact um, the majority of the cruise lines you've probably ever heard of are members of clia and you know there's obviously a dynamic here use the industry group the air, the the cruise lines themselves you know a lot of readers have reached out to me and they feel like you know the the cruise lines themselves have not been as proactive as they could have been they've been more reactive and i guess a lot of that is based on you know what we see in other industries certainly when there is uh and i'm looking more like truly negative situations in which an industry or a company specifically is painted in a negative light due to a, an accident an incident and inevitably you see those uh you know ceos or representatives of their company you know on the sunday morning talk shows and things like that but we don't really see a ton of public statements certainly uh, richard fain Uh, from the Royal Caribbean Group had been very active during the pandemic with his YouTube videos. But should the executives, should the cruise lines be more active, proactive rather than reactive with being present and saying everything that you just said, you know, about here's why what we're doing is working, because it seems like there's just not a whole lot of of that going on there. Maybe obviously a lot of this happens maybe behind the scenes. But, you know, from a PR standpoint, from a pure general public standpoint, should the cruise lines be doing more to champion their cause?
1: So I think I think that the cruise lines are are actually doing a lot, and I think this is a little bit of a, a, a misnomer, if you will, because um, I want to go back to what I said earlier about the negative stories kind of selling headlines and, and clicks and all that. It's it's very hard sometimes when you're in this this moment where um, there's a flood of um, of negative stories that reporters and other people are kind of seizing on, it's very, very hard to sort of carve out a space for sharing the, the, the true picture and the full account. And I think the other part of that is that, you know, on the flip side of that, you're, you're, you're seeing accounts from passengers and um, others who are kind of critics of the industry who have developed this sort of like credible voice if you will mm-hmm. um, with certain media outlets and part of the issue is that it's it there's a lot of noise not a lot of attention being paid to the positive side of things and and also that what I mean by that is that we're talking about you know the cruise line executives, Um, themselves, although I think cruise lines have been very proactive in focusing on their communications with their passengers and making sure that everybody's on the same page and that people have the information that they need, because of course, first and foremost, they are hospitality businesses. You know, they're in the business of, of, of creating incredible vacations for their customers and amazing opportunities for crew members. And that has to be their, that has to be their priority, um, above, above all. And on the other side of that, you know, we, there is CLIA, which is the industry voice, um, and we have some research as well that that um, points to this. But we know that when we speak as one industry, the the impact is much greater. Hmm. Um, so I, I I want to sort of um, I hear I hear what you're saying, and I, I do um, I do see where you're coming from. But I also want to sort of point out that I think that the The industry, the lines themselves are doing a great deal of communicating as are, you know, the, as are we at CLIA. Um, and one of the thing, one of the areas where, you know, we can, there's an, I think there's an opportunity to speak louder as a community about what's going on. You know, we, the, the passenger accounts, the negative stories, we need to amplify those voices who have positive stories to tell. We need to, you know, amplify the commitment of the cruise lines to, you know, their customers and to their guests and the communities that they visit in, you know, assuring the, to the greatest extent possible, uh, you know, a a vacation experience that's going to be above and beyond anything that you would get anywhere else. Um, We always say, you know, cruising is the best way to experience the world. And I think that that's, more true now than ever, even though we are seeing, you know, um, impacts to the cruise, to the cruise experience related to um, travel restrictions and other issues that are coming up now with the Omicron surge, um, but that we expect will uh, will subside in, in short order. But all that is to say that I think that You know, we have we do have opportunities to sort of amplify these positive messages um, and we need to speak together as one community. We I I recall, you know, I want to recall the the Ready, Set, Sail campaign, for example, um, where, you know, it wasn't just the cruise lines going out there and saying, hey, like we need to have a plan in place to get this get our ships running again. It really took the entirety of this community coming together to make that case. And it worked so profoundly well. Um, so I think that those types of results really speak for themselves when we're talking about where can we have the biggest impact in terms of how we're communicating and who we're talking to and who is doing the talking.
0: Fair enough. Is it also fair to say on that note that a lot of what you're doing, what Clea is doing, what the industry is doing happens a lot behind the scenes, especially with, with as it relates to governments? Is that is that a fair statement to say?
1: Absolutely. Um, especially from a, a, well, I don't want to say especially from a CLIA perspective, but of course um, within CLIA we have, you know, I'm part of the strategic communications team. So our job is very forward facing and public facing, although it doesn't necessarily, you know, we're not the ones communicating with consumers per se, but we're speaking on behalf of the industry and the community um, in order to put out the positive messages and, and, uh, and even to correct the record when it is necessary behind the scenes there's so much work going on um you know our our team our maritime policy team is having regular conversations with the cdc and government affairs we're, t- we're talking with the administration members of the administration and members of congress and um local elected officials it's really happening at all different levels and a lot of those conversations you know while we would love for them <laughs> we would love to be able to broadcast them. Of course, you know, given the nature of those conversations, you know, those are things that, that, that take place sort of behind the scenes, as you said, um, in order to make sure that we're communicating directly with, with our stakeholders. Um, that's a really, really critical part of what we do at CLIA um, to facilitate that sort of direct to stakeholder dialogue between the industry and, and uh, to make sure that the headlines that are out there aren't telling the full story that we have, you know, our chance to share, um, our side of the story as well.
0: You know, you brought up uh, the I word investigation, and I want to ask you a quick question of fact or fiction here. Um, as it relates to the CDC and cruise ships that it only takes one sick crew member, or I believe it's 0.1% of passengers to trigger a, I'm using air quotes here investigation. Is that accurate?
1: Yes, that's correct. Um, You can look that up on the CDC's website. The thresholds for the various colors are um, right there on the website. So it's 0.1% of passengers or even one crew member um, can warrant a ship being deemed yellow, according to the CDC.
0: Wow. So I mean, I mean, that's just like, you know, I think, again, that, you know, investigation is a strong word. And certainly some people think, oh, my goodness, there must be like a conspiracy of some kind or something that's just, you know, uh, out there. But uh, clearly, you know, it's just, you know, it's not the case at all. So good to to have that. I think perspective is important when we're talking about, you know, all these types of what's what's happening currently in the industry.
1: Um, Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, here you saw that you've, you've seen the news, the, um, you know, all this all the ships with passengers are yellow and, and um, you know, that that is a very strong statement. But without any context, it really doesn't tell you anything, because, as you mentioned, the threshold for a yellow um, ship is so, so incredibly low. Um, so it's really important to keep that in mind as, as you're, uh, looking at the news and kind of, you know, taking these developments in, um, and the other thing that I, I wanted to mention is that the, the idea that, you know, cruise ships could somehow be immune <laughs> from, from, what we're seeing hap- you know, on, on across the world is, is a little bit far fetched as well, because of course of course, no setting is immune. So, you know, cruise ships would be included in that. But like I said, the difference with cruise ship compared to anywhere else that you might um, you might partake in any sort of activity, whether it's going to a restaurant or a concert or a sporting event, is that everybody has to be tested before coming on board. Um, everybody, Almost everybody has to be vaccinated. Um, and then once you're on the ship and all those things have proven true, you've got multiple layers of science backed protocols to sort of dictate, you know, the, the, the parameters of the, of the vacation and a cruise ship is a controlled environment, of course. So you're going to know a lot more about what's going on. You're going to be, um, you know, able to enjoy outdoor spaces and, and social distancing and all the things that we know work here on land. Um, but working even more so in a cruise environment for the simple reason that, you know, where else can you go where north of 90% of people are are vaccinated around you?
0: Absolutely. You know, something else that's obviously been uh, also been covered quite a bit in the plight of the cruise industry has been a lot of the ports they visit. Can you shed some light on the relationship between ports and cruise lines? Because missed calls have become, in addition to the case counts, a, a favorite topic of like OMG, you know, another port has been has denied another country won't let cruise ships in and that's obviously a small percentage of the amount of stops that are actually made because most of them do actually occur without a problem but can you just talk about kind of how the how that works between the cruise lines and the ports and some of the agreements there and just give us some some color as if you will into how the cruise lines work with the various ports they visit
1: yes thank you for this question i think it's really important to sort of underscore because and to to um to talk a little bit about some of the differences that we're seeing right now versus, you know, what we saw in March of 2020 when this was all so very new and the entire world was, you know, trying to figure out what to do um, in response to this emerging pandemic, what, what, what became a pandemic. Um, I want to, before I get into anything else, I really, really want to underscore that we are not seeing passenger ship passengers stranded at sea. That is not happening um, today. Uh, th- there are port agreements in place, and in particular with ports of embarkation and ports of de- disembarkation where there are agreements and, and um, plans in place specifically to accept cruise ships in um, in order to disembark, in order to, you know, quarantine for those who may have tested positive, if that is a consideration. Um, so this is an entirely different operating environment than we were in two years ago. Um, I really, really, really want to underscore that because I know that we've seen um, a few ports of call deny entry for cruise ships. This not at all the same thing as um what what was going on at the beginning of the pandemic and you know that's a really normal thing to happen actually um it can happen i've i've been on a cruise this is several years ago way before you know COVID 19 was even a a a thought in anybody's mind um where we we weren't able to call on one of our scheduled ports because of you know i don't even remember the reason but it can happen, and, and that is something that I think um, you know people should keep in mind when they're booking cruises. Is that you know this is something that you it, the industry is, has always been unique in that it's very flexible. Um, you know if 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 for whatever reason a, sh- a ship can't go to to one port on one day, you know there's another option. Generally speaking, um, so I just wanted to emphasize that this is not necessarily you know, a, um, as big of a deal as I think um, it may seem right now. Um, But a port of call may say, um, you know, not today, cruise, you know, whatever cruise ship is coming in for whatever reason. And there could be a lot of reasons. And I think what we're seeing recently is that some of these places where cruise ships are, um, you know, in the Caribbean, for example, um, generally calling on, are dealing with their own um, surge in cases and trying to get, you know, things kind of under control at home. And that may create a situation where, you know, it, it's just not feasible for them on that given day to have a cruise ship in port. Or, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's um, an issue with the, with the sta- you know, the ability to staff those port calls or something like that. Um, from from the ground, I mean, not, not from the cruise ship's perspective. So it, it's important to keep in mind that there's a variety of factors and it's not anything, we're not particularly alarmed um, by this development and it is, it is somewhat unfortunate um, because we do know that the destination is an important part of the cruise experience, but, um, but I don't think that this is going to be a lingering concern.
0: Fair enough. I think, and I, I think it makes a lot of sense, um, you know, especially and you get again, just like the fact that, you know, somewhere between 99 and 98 percent of the passengers on board ships are not contracting COVID-19. By the same token, a majority, I don't know, the percentages of of port calls are happening, um, you know, instead of, you know, a small percentage of them not happening. So
1: exactly, that's perspe- that's a really important point. This is not something that has become the norm. Um, we know that it's there's been a little bit of an uptick recently for a variety of reasons as I mentioned, but it's, it's, you don't hear about the port calls that happen as planned.
0: That's right. There's no daily reports on various news channels that symphony of the seas made her stop at, you know, Jamaica today. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it, it, there's, there's obviously a lot here. I gotta, I'm going to ask you this. Cause this, I get frustrated with this, Barry. I'll be honest with you. I mean, some of this stuff is just like, not, not what's happening to the, you know, obviously people getting sick. I mean, this is just happening everywhere, but just the, you know, it just seems like we're, as a cruise industry, you know, the, the wound is still fresh from, from 2021. And in a lot of cases, it's still there, you know, not all ships are back into service even before Omicron here. I mean, do you feel that level of frustration as well? in within your organization and you know, what's the kind of, what's the mood, how would you describe the vibe of the cruise industry right now when you're talking to people? But certainly, I mean, it's, I'm sure daily or even hourly (laughs) sometimes that can change, but you know, is it, is it, I think there's a lot of folks and myself included who, you know, see this stuff and it's just like, you know, Oive is best way I can describe it, but it's like, you know, you have to kind of persevere. That's where I just say, well, you know, it is what it is and we're going to move on past and clearly cruise ships are still going. That's what really keeps me going, you know, every day. If that's the case. You know, talk to me about kind of what your thoughts are and just, you know, how you're how you're kind of reading the room as it were. So I have
1: two things to say about this. One, I feel like. It's been wild, right? Like it's it, there's been a lot of work and, it, and it's been uh, uh, not the uh, most ideal way to kick off the new year, but I also am trying to think to um, take everything in stride and in context of what's going on in the world around us right now. Um, one of the things that leaves me really optimistic is, you know, I'm trying to keep up with what public health experts are saying about when this wave will um, come and go. And we've seen this reports coming out of South Africa that, um, you know, cases peaked um, almost as quickly, you know, they, they started coming down almost as quickly as they peaked. So that's really, really positive. It's also positive, you know, to know that most, that the this variant is causing milder um, disease in most people. And, um, and that is especially true uh, amongst those who have, um, who have, gotten sick for example or been identified you know tested positive on on cruise ships we know that that's true um so that so i'm trying to stay overall pretty positive that this will come and go and that once it's um behind us we'll be in a better place i really do truly believe that um and when i say we i mean both we as an industry and we as a society um and so i'm uh, that's kind of keeping me going <laughs> and i hope that it I hope that um, you know those your listeners too can kind of keep that in perspective as well. That that you know this is something we've got to get. This is a hard moment in the course of this pandemic for everybody, and uh, we will get over. We will come through it stronger on the other side. You know, on the other and the other point I want to make is that, as I mentioned earlier, the cruise lines and everybody who who supports a cruise operation. Um, feel very, very passionately about about um, this industry and and the, and this type of vacation um, you know that it is the best way to experience the world and and we take it personally when we see um, people saying negative things about about the industry and especially when we see things taken out of facts taken out of context in order to vilify the industry, you know we all have a role to play in helping to, um provide the context when it is missing and I really want to underscore that because we can't do this you know it, it has to be a group effort we have to be we have to be in this together in order to um to make it to make it through this period and I that's why i I want to talk to anybody who's had a positive experience on a cruise ship recently who you know who has, a story that is counter to what we're seeing, you know, some of the negative stories in the media, even though the, we know that the media is not going to cover the positive stories, but we can help amplify those positive stories. You know, that's really important. Um, and I, I, I want to also underscore that I think that the passion and the, and the um, you know, the love of this industry is a, a strong suit for, for is, is a strength for the industry. Um, That most other industries don't have, you know, cruisers love to cruise. That's not changing. Our research is showing that this, that that is has the pandemic has had virtually no impact on that, um, which is great. And I think that we need to harness that love and that passion in a way that really moves the needle forward and brings you know, brings us out of this moment together um, stronger.
0: You know, you mentioned, you know, we're in this together. So I guess, is there something that our listeners can do to help support the cruise industry? Certainly booking another cruise might not be a bad idea, but in terms of outreach, whether it's to government officials, whether it's to, I don't know whom, is there is there something that cruise fans can do to really uh, support the cause?
1: So I always recommend, first of all, um, checking checking CLIA out on social media. Um, we, we are constantly pushing out you know our latest messages the facts the research the 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 knowledge that people need in order to make informed decisions about about the cruise industry um, in order to uh, correct the record in certain scenarios when when that's required. Um, so please, if you're not already following CLIA, um, check out our, our social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, and also if you have positive stories to tell, we wanna talk to you. Um, so info at cruising.org is a great way to get in touch with us and um, you know, we like I said, we we want to help amplify those those positive stories, um, and 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 broadcast those out to the world, really, because I think it's really important that people hear from hear from you and hear from us, all of us who have great you know things to say and have had amazing experiences. And I know Matt that you do a lot of that on your blog as well, um, making sure that your readers and followers have all the facts and. Um, that we're addressing also the concerns that you might have, but it's very, very important to 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 um, you know share the facts, correct the record, and stand united against some of these um, some of these. And you know, unfortunately, <laughs> I always say this, but the the cr- cruise industry or cruising in general uh, elicits passionate reactions from those who love it and those who hate it. And it's interesting because I've never seen an industry that is, that kind of has that dynamic to such a degree. <laughs> um, and, it, and I think, you know, overall, for the most part, you know, the people who claim that cruise cruise ships are Petri dishes or whatever it is that they like to say about cruising have never been on a cruise. right? And so right. it's funny to me that they, that those people have somehow, feel that they have the credibility or the authority to speak on something that they really don't know anything about. So it's on all of us who are knowledgeable about the industry to, you know, step up to the plate, talk to your friends, talk to your family, get on social media, talk to us at CLIA. And if you have had great experiences and you want people, you know, want people like your member of Congress or your senator to your senators to be aware of that, which I think is always really helpful. Um, you know, they're very easily reached. And, and I think that they would appreciate that as well. Um, you know, if you're a constituent and you have something, you know, you want somebody who represents you to know that you care about this issue, give them a call, write them an email. Um, you know, we saw the ready, with the Ready, Set, sale campaign over 155,000 emails sent to members of Congress in a span of about six weeks. And it made a really big difference. Uh, and I think that it brought our industry into the um, spotlight in a really positive way. And it kind of gave, it, 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 it also served as a reminder for a lot of folks up here in Washington, which is where I am, that people really care about this industry. Um, and I think it's very important that people know that.
0: Well, let's end this on a positive note, Barry. What are you excited about for the cruise industry in 2022?
1: Um, You know, I think that, like I said, I'm really optimistic. This is going to be a tough couple weeks for the entire world um, with the Omicron surge. The good news is it's really not, I I, I don't want to minimize anything, but, you know, the, the data appears to show that, especially for those who have been vaccinated and especially for those who have been boosted, even, you know, the illness itself is pretty mild. So it's, That's really good news, I think, for all of us, not just the cruise industry. Um, But one of the things I'm most excited about is that we are still on track to have almost 100 or I think 100 percent of um, capacity reactivated by mid-summer. So that's going to be just an amazing milestone. It's going to be such a rewarding uh, moment for all of us who are part of this community to you know, sit back and say, "Wow, you know, we've not only did did we um, come back in this you know amazing, amazing way and have this incredible story to tell, but this industry is leading the way on so many different uh, topics. Of course, public health and safety are in the spotlight right now, but." We want to get back to telling the positive story about the cruise industry, the cruise industry's environmental efforts, and the initiatives that are underway um, from an environmental perspective. This is, you know, an, a really exciting time for the industry. There's a lot of innovation going on, a lot of new ships coming up, um, and so we're excited to start, you know, talking about those things a little bit more and and, get, and hopefully moving away from um, COVID nineteen.
0: Fantastic. Barry, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast this week.
1: Thank you for having me, Matt. It was my
0: pleasure. All right, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I dive into our email inbox and dig out the questions that you've sent me about Royal Caribbean. So if you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending to Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, blog.com. Our first email today is from Jeff from X in Pennsylvania, and Jeff wrote his, his subject line, less or uncommon Royal Caribbean questions, so we're going to mix it up, I guess, here today. Matt, I have some uncommon questions for your podcast I would like to ask to shake things up. Number one, what are some of the most unique souvenirs that you've seen from cruise ports? Any souvenir you've regretted not purchasing? Boy, well, there's always the, whenever you go into any cruise port, whether it's Cozumel or Nassau or anywhere really. You're going to walk through a lot of shops probably between the cruise ship and then actually getting into the city. And there's inevitably those cheap tourist trap stores that have like all the loose souvenirs in there. You know, the shirts that say things that I don't know who would actually wear these in public. I guess maybe you just wear them around your house or something like that. I mean, it's fun for the gag, but they certainly sell a bunch of those. Those are i i don't know i guess unique i guess the definition is not unique because they're in every port but there are some fun ones in there you know the most unique souvenir i'm really trying to think like what is something that really stands out because the typical souvenirs you've got jewelry you've got hats you've got something with your name on it you know that's pretty much run-of-the-mill you know other than that i mean oh boy i'm really trying to think and of course somewhere that has like the name of the place you're visiting has it in there? I am not sure. I'd love to hear in the comments on this episode. If you go to royalcomeryblog.com, what is the, like, what's like? our truly unique souvenirs? Something you've seen that really made you go, what? There was We were just in uh, Mazatlan and we were walking through one of these shops and there was a bottle of tequila that had a snake inside of it. And that freaked my kids out. They were just like, they had so many questions. <laughs> so many like, what? what? Why? What is that? Is that real? I mean, I've seen stuff like that before. You know, it, it is what it is. But is there any souvenir I've regretted not purchasing? I'm sure there is. A lot of times I see things and I think about it like five minutes later and it's, you know, all gone. Actually, one of the best souvenirs I ever got, it's a, it's one I've actually purchased, it was in Cosmel. I needed a new wallet. Uh, my wallet that I was using was pretty dilapidated. And in Cosmel, one of the things they always do is they always have like a lot of leather goods. I'm assuming that leather goods is a thing in that area of Mexico. Anyway, it's like, well, I remember seeing all these, let me go see what I can find a wallet. And I actually got a wallet there and I absolutely love this wallet and it still smells like leather. So it's not fake. <laughs> uh, and I thought it was a great wallet to have. And I, and I still use it to this day. And that's actually one of my favorite ones that we've done. Uh, but in terms of things I've regretted not purchasing, um, you know, maybe a shirt or something here or there, but I mean, I don't have anything. I, nothing really comes to my mind. um, Again, mostly, I think that's because a lot of the souvenirs that you find are just not really that noteworthy, they're often repeated. Actually, some of the best souvenirs i found is in San Juan, Puerto Rico. I love the art they have there. There's a lot of art shops in old San Juan and we actually purchased one because after a number of years, I regret not buying it. There's wonderful, and I I have no idea what medium this is, if it's an ink or an oil or whatever, but it's a painting of old San Juan and it's absolutely beautiful. And I remember going in a couple of shops and like well, we really would love to get one. And then on one visit, I think this was in 2019 or 2018, we went into one of these shops like we usually do. And I said my wife, "We're getting one. We want to get one that's going to look good on our, you know, the colors pop. Let's put one in our in our living room." And I, you know, always say when well, you're going to buy art, you buy it because you think it's going to look good. I have no idea. I don't think it's worth anything. Not that that matters, but you know, I just wanted it because it looked nice, and it exactly is what I wanted. Number two, have you ever booked a private photo session, such as on the bow of the ship or in a studio? Do you have any idea of the cost or if they're included in the photo package? Great question. They're not included in the photo package. Uh, I actually did inquire once for a private photo session. I was like, you know what? We love taking photos with the kids. Let's do a private photo session. I believe it it is expensive. I don't recall the price. I want to say it was at least a couple hundred dollars. It may have actually been more. You could certainly inquire about it. As far as I understand it, you can certainly go down there and ask about it. uh, And there's no obligation to necessarily book it but it's uh, it's not cheap but if you're looking for the kind of photos that you could maybe you know put like a wall-sized photo i mean if you really want to do it well i think that's the thing to do the private sitting sessions there's no sitting fee you just pay for the the photos themselves but they're not included as part of the photo package but again I, I i'm pretty darn sure a lot of those photos that you see when you walk into the photo area of the ship and you have all those like you know pretty families we've got perfect photos up there those are doing the photo the sessions not not in front of the Royal Promenade necessarily. So something to keep in mind. And number three, do you know of any way to wash a larger batch of clothes that, than that three gallon bag they provide close to the second to last day? They barely hold a single pair of jeans, which is accurate. We're traveling 16 days in Europe with a Royal Caribbean cruise in the middle and the ability to wash a suitcase worth of clothes would definitely help with packing, lugging suitcases around cities and airport fees. It's a great question. Number one, I would lean towards if you're staying in a hotel before, since you're in Europe, before your cruise look for one that has some sort of laundry facility heck go down to the front desk and ask is there a laundry service we can send this out to you know dry cleaners or whatever it's going to be cheaper than it is on the cruise ship if all else fails i told my wife this we just use the dry cleaning i'm for many years i was like well, i'm not paying for laundry blah 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 i'm principal and then we got to a point like we were doing like back to back cruises and like i'm not packing a you know eight suitcases to go on this cruise. We're just going to do laundry. It's cheaper and it's easier than packing all that other stuff. And easier is what it's all about. It's surprisingly not that bad. And Jeff, I'm not sure what your crown and anchor status is, but you do get a discount on some of the laundry as a crown and anchor. If you have a you know certain status, I forget which one it is, but that might be an option for you. But if all else fails, you know, you might consider uh, doing laundry on board the ship. Yeah, it ain't cheap, but it's not like you're paying hundreds of dollars for it. You know, it'll be whatever it is. And Having clean underwear and <laughs> the rest of your clothes is worth it, if you ask me. Not to mention the fact that by doing it on the ship, it will all be pressed and you don't have to you don't have to fold it, you don't have to pack it again and it get creases in it. So there you go. Uh, and Jeff also has a idea for a show topic: Extinct Royal Caribbean cruising experiences. And he has some suggestions here like uh, a chocolate buffet, <laughs> water that tastes much, much better. <laughs> the old mustard drill. Uh, the wedding slash religious chapels, boxing rings, and the freedom class ships. He's actually got 19 ideas here. I might, you know, I'm not deleting this email, Jeff. I'm putting this back in the queue here so I remember this for another day. It's actually a really good topic. Thank you, Jeff, for the email. Our next email comes to us from Liz, aka Baked Alaska. Hi, Matt. We received six at home tests from the Optum Store. Unfortunately, they're going to expire before we needed them. The Optum Store mistake. They refunded us. That's another story. Anyway. We decided to use one of them before they expired, as my husband had exposure at work. We followed the directions to a T and waited 15 minutes, and we realized it. There was no test strip on the inside of the card. Thankfully, we have extras. Just a long way of saying, order double what you need. And by the way, he is negative. Liz, glad to hear your husband's negative. And I do agree about the at-home test. I love using the at-home test, but I definitely recommend what Liz is saying, which is you want to order more than you need. You know, There's four of us as an example in my family. I just always order the six-pack whether the test is missing. I've never actually heard of this thing that Liz had. The most common scenario I've heard is that the liquid in there, the testing liquid bottle is empty, but having extras is definitely the way to go just to cover yourself. And you never know if you're not going on a cruise, just having it to cover you in case you have the sniffles or something like that. It's proven very, very beneficial and helpful at home. Next email is from Mark. Hi, Matt. If you recall my wishes from my last email, you know what I'm wishing for. The freedom class to be released from the short Caribbean itinerary Can't wait to get back to this newly amplified ship. You know, Mark, thanks for the email, I got to tell you something. I'm going to disagree with you, or at least, well, I don't, I'm not like married to the Freedom Class doing these short Caribbean itineraries, but I'm going to tell you that I think it's a great idea to have previously the Voyager Class is doing it. Now the Freedom Class is doing these three and four night cruises uh, from Florida. I love that Royal Caribbean is doing this, and I understand that you like this particular class of ship and you wanted to go on longer sounds. Totally understand that. The reason why I love it is because for many, 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 many years, Royal Caribbean would have its oldest, smallest ships doing these three- and four-night cruises. And for a lot of folks who were going on Royal Caribbean for the very first time, this was their opportunity to experience Royal Caribbean. And they go on, you know, at the time, and Majesty of the Seas or an Enchantment of the Seas. That's definitely not what the Royal Caribbean experience is all about. Nothing against those ships. I'm just saying it's not in line with what I think is contemporary Royal Caribbean, like the best, what they currently entail, which is, in my opinion, the Voyager class and up. So the fact that Royal Caribbean decided to put newer or at least amplified ships in that market, I think it's actually a benefit to it. Now I understand you want to do a freedom class ship. Independence is doing three and four nighters out of Port Canaveral. Freedom's doing three and four nighters out of Miami. That leaves just Liberty of the Seas uh, of the only three freedom class ships that are there uh, doing longer sailings. I get that, but I actually think it's a benefit. There's, it's, there's a big fleet out there. Certainly the Voyager class ships, Mark, the Mariner, Navigators, the, and, uh, you know, uh, Adventures, you know, they're, they're great ships. And honestly, the difference between a Voyager-class ship and a Freedom-class ship can be, you know, it, it's very minute, if you ask me, other than, of course, the size. So I would say that you could obviously fall back on those. But I actually like Royal Caribbean doing the, using their, their newer ships doing this market. I think it's a better strategy overall, although I understand that you obviously you want Freedom of the Seas to be able to sail uh, to do longer itineraries than just three- and four-nighters. I totally get that. As a Floridian who oftentimes falls back on, you know, oh, let's just do a quick three-night cruise. Trust me, I'd love a more variety. But at the same time, I'll be the first to say that I think that a lot of what the um, uh, what's offered, there's more than just what, you know, the repeat customer necessarily needs. At the end of the day, we'll still have a good time. Next is our email from Steve the Jet Ski Flipper, great name. We disembarked a beautiful weekend cruise on Independence of the Seas last weekend. Everything was wonderful except for one small hitch. Our test reels were not accepted at the port. Despite going to a federal testing site and having a lab report, they wouldn't accept it because our names were handwritten on the report. The site has has reports printed out and after testing you, letting the test sit for 10 minutes and seeing it's negative, they write your name on the report indicating you're negative. The website says you may not have a handwritten doctor's note. It doesn't say no part of your test can be handwritten. I spoke to two different representatives trying to get a refund with no luck. The port tests were $105 each. I'm not writing to complain. I just want to let people know that apparently no part of your COVID test can be handwritten. It has to be printed lab report or a PDF email of a lab report. Just to clarify, everything about our test was a lab report. Just patient name and date of birth were handwritten. Happy cruising. Uh-huh. Steve, I thank you for sharing this email. I think it's really helpful for other folks to understand that and certainly avoid perhaps that kind of a pitfall there. You know, it's unfortunate you had to go through that, And but yeah, I understand why real government has to do this. I mean, certainly, I think we all get that you didn't, you know, force your report, but you know, for Royal Caribbean, they just can't get into that game of does this look real or not? Is, you know, does this guy look suspicious or not? Like, you know, it's just a better approach. Certainly if you're doing a test at a pharmacy, if you're doing the at-home test, those are all digital. So you don't have to worry about a handwritten issue there whatsoever. But that's good to know, especially if you're going to one of these mass testing sites about that asking for a printed one, because that's going to be something that real Caribbean is going to require. So Steve, very good information there. And our last email today is going to be coming to us from Sonia, the right time at, love listening to your podcast. This question may have already been asked but answered, but I can't find it. We're selling an alert in February 2022, and it's a fully vaxxed family of four. If I book excursions ahead of time with Royal Caribbean, and for some reason things change, like the port is canceled, COVID issues, et cetera, uh, or we decide we once on board that we don't want to get off the ship, will I get reimbursed for my pre-booked excursions? It's a good email, good question. So if your port is canceled, or like basically you, your ship doesn't not does not visit the port, yes, it'll be reimbursed. If you were to test positive on board the ship and Royal Caribbean quarantines you, yes, and you booked tours to Royal, of course, yes, your your tour will be reimbursed for you. If you decide on that morning, I ain't going, no, that won't be, that will not be refunded to you. Uh, You can cancel an excursion, even if you're pre-booked at Sony, up to, uh, gosh, I forget if it's 48 or 72 hours now they changed the policy a couple times, but if you were going to get on the ship on day one and like day four, you've got an excursion and you're thinking, you know what? We booked that tour. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. With enough advance to notice, that's fine. But you know, you can't decide on the day of, or even the night before, oh, we don't want to go on this tour anymore for whatever reason, it's going to rain. I'm worried about COVID. Uh, you know, I had too much to drink last night. Um, you know, whatever the re they generally don't give you a refund for that. So keep that in mind, but certainly, if obviously Royal Caribbean changes something, like you like you said, port canceled, uh, you're, you're quarantined, then you'd be covered in that particular scenario. So, and of course, if the port uh, if the port denies your ship entry, that is also a covered reason as well. In fact, any any shore excursion operator that I've ever dealt with, uh, whether it's through Royal Caribbean or independent, will give you a refund uh, if you're unable to if your ship is unable to visit there. Um, I think actually I can think of one place that didn't do that, but they were only requiring deposit, and it was like. 10 bucks. And I was like, whatever, it's just, I'll let that go. But anyway, uh, that was during the pandemic. So who knows? Anyway, the, the uh, bottom line is usually uh, you can double check the policy obviously before you book, but if your ship is unable to dock there for whatever reason, they'll refund your money ahead of time. So thank you, Sonia, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to send in your emails, you can do so by sending it to matt, M-A-T-T, at blog.com matt at com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again real soon.